All right, well, we are learning about emotionally healthy discipleship, and we have been going through the seven marks of what it looks like to be an emotionally healthy follower of Jesus. Because remember, spiritual maturity and emotional health are linked together. You cannot separate them. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot be spiritually mature while being emotionally unhealthy at the same time. So we're going to focus on both, yeah? And so we've learned about that to to be emotionally healthy. We've got to follow the crucified Jesus, not the Americanized Jesus, right? We've got to follow the real Jesus of the Bible. To to be emotionally healthy, we learned that we have to uh, embrace a lifestyle of weakness and vulnerability, Right? Because it's in our weakness that, that God's strength is made perfect. And so we don't pretend. We don't have to walk around here acting like we've got it all together. Every one of us is broken. Every one of us is a fallen human being. And we all have our weaknesses and our difficulties and our struggles and our pains. And it's okay to embrace those things and to be real about those things. Amen? We learn that to be emotionally healthy, we have to break the power of the past. We have to be willing to go back in order to go forward. We've got to deal with the things of our past and our family of origin in order to be set free to live out the life that God has called us to live. And then last week, we learned from Liz, who did a phenomenal job last week. Hallelujah, Liz. We learned that we have to discover the treasures in grief and loss. Right, that we have to be able to grieve and experience those painful emotions because we find that there are beautiful treasures in the midst of that pain. And we find that when there is death, that there are gifts of resurrection that we can find in those seasons of loss and those seasons of death. And so, great job. So we today are on mark number five of our seven marks of emotionally healthy discipleship. And that mark is that we have to be before we do. We have to be with God before we do for God. And to come and to share about this powerful message is our very own Fran Baswell. So Fran, come on up here. Let's stretch our hands towards Fran. Just as Liz had the pulpit for the first time last week, this week Fran has the pulpit for the very first time. And so, Lord, we just pray for Fran today. We thank you for the message that you have put upon her heart. God, I pray that she would have a peace and she would have a confidence as she speaks this message today. Lord God, I pray that you would use, God, even the... the uh, the, the journey of her life and the things that she has experienced, Lord, that you would uh, use those things to even bring your word uh, into the light, that we would understand your word, that we would understand the truth that is being taught. God, let your anointing be upon her. And Lord, let this time together be a great impact upon every heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. So as Pastor Aaron shared, I'll be um, sharing on our point, Be Before You Do. And the title of our message this morning is called Desert Rhythms, Learning to Do Out of Your Being. And our big picture point is this. We must make a radical change in our Christian life to be with God before doing in order to share the wonders and blessings of Jesus's amazing love with others. So what does it mean to be before you do? Pastor Pete Scazzaro explains it this way. It's a person who practices before do, 
practices being before doing operates from a place of emotional and spiritual fullness, deeply aware of themselves, others, and God. So as a result, their being with God is sufficient to sustain their doing for God. So that basically means if we don't take care of our being, our doing is affected. Everybody we touch, we encounter, we interact with at our workplace, our families, our neighborhood, even at church, it's all affected. And when we're living out of our being before doing, we are consistently living out of this fullness emotionally and spiritually. So what does it mean, emotional fullness? That means a healthy Christian disciple who is highly aware of their feelings, weaknesses, their limits, their body, how they, their past affects their present, how others are experiencing them, and they are able to enter into, into those feelings and perspectives of, perspective of others because they are so much in touch with their own feelings, their own. And spiritual fullness reveals itself in a healthy balance between their being with God and doing for God. So they have a healthy balance. Uh, a person who has spiritual fullness is careful not to engage in more activities than their spiritual, emotional, and physical reserves can sustain. And when their cup is when their cup is always full, and when their cup is empty, they recognize that. They know. They're highly aware of it. So they make adjustments to their schedule to, to be refilled, to get refilled. And they also recognize their presence with God, with others, with themselves. And they recognize, most importantly, they recognize that their greatest gift and contribution to others um, is, is their presence. So today we're going to take a look and study, um, go through Mark 1, starting in verse 9. We're going to take a look at a day in the life of Jesus and study his desert rhythm. And desert means, and this, this I believe is maybe in your notes. No, maybe not. Desert means uninhabited place, a place of solitude, a place out of the way to avoid crowds. So we're obviously not going to find a desert here, um, here on Kauai, a physical desert. H however, the idea is for us to create a desert in a sense, our own desert, a place to be alone, a, a place of solitude to be with God. And then finding a, a rhythm. So like music, music has a rhythm. We just did worship. It has a beat. It has a rhythm. And this made me think of a ukulele strumming of a ukulele for a hula dancer. When we start a song, there's a vamp, and we call it kaholo, and there's three beats where we go to the right and three beats where we go to the left. And that's important because it lets us know the rhythm of the song, if it's going to be fast, if it's going to be slow. And then especially if there's a group of us, it helps us to be, um, to be in sync so everyone uh, knows the flow of the dance. The kaholo is also used, in, used to tie in um, two verses of a song. So in between the verses, there's a kaholo. And sometimes um, that can speed up. The rhythm of the kaholo can speed up or slow down depending on the story, the life of the story uh, that's being told. And, um, you know, 
for those of you who've, who've lived here and know songs, it's like the, the kahola goes, bidoo, 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 bidoo. So keep that in mind, that bidoo in mind. John Ortberg, Ortberg, he's the author of the book called The Life You've Always Wanted. And he says cons consistent spiritual discipline becomes a rhythm for living in which we can grow more intimately connected to God. And that's what we want, right? We want to grow, whoops, we want to grow more intimately connected to God. I just hit a button and I lost my notes. That would have been bad. <laughs> I probably would have passed out right here. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a summary of, of Mark, Mark 1. We're going to start off in chapter 9. I'm going to give a summary, then we're going to read some of the, um, the more key verses. But it starts off in verse 9 where Jesus came from Nazareth. He went to meet with John the Baptist where he was baptized in the Jordan. And immediately after uh, he got baptized and came out of, out of the water, it says the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descended on, on Jesus. And there was a voice that came from the heavens and it said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. And immediately after that, the spirit brought Jesus into the wilderness, into the desert, and we know that he was there for 40 days and he was tempted um, by Satan. And then we move on to verse uh, 16, um, 16 through 19. It's a story of, in two separate instances, Jesus sees Simon and Andrew. And then he sees John and James and he calls, he calls them to follow him. And they immediately drop what they, doing, they were doing and they follow Jesus. So now we're, now we're in verse 21. Again, remember, this is a day in the life of, of Jesus, right? In verse 21, it reads, They went into Capernaum, and immediately on, on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue, and he began to cheat, teach. And they were all amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. So Jesus then there was, just then, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And to summarize that, you know, the, um, the, the spirit was speaking out of this man and Jesus rebuked him. He told, told it to be quiet and come out of him. And the spirit, he, um, he was able to cast out the demon from the man. And um, immediately that news about Jesus spread everywhere into the surrounding region of Galilee. So immediately everybody was hearing about, about Jesus. And then right after that, right after Jesus' preaching, they left the synagogue, the four men and Jesus, and they went to Simon's house. And when they got to Simon's house, you would have thought that maybe they would have rested a little bit after all of um, after working. But when they got there, Simon's mother-in-law was sick. She had a fever. So um, they spoke to Jesus about her. And in verse 31, it says, and he came to her. Jesus went to her and healed her from the fever. The fever left and then she was um, able to serve them. So that's a busy day, right? He's preaching and then he goes to the house and then he's, he's um, having to heal Simon's mother-in-law. And then that evening, it doesn't stop there. And then it says that evening after sunset, they began to bring to Jesus everyone who was ill and demon-possessed. And it says the whole city had gathered at the door and he healed many of them who were ill and, he, Ill and cast out 
um, many demons from, um, from them. So after that super busy day, what Jesus did in verse 35, it says, so this was the next day because we know that because it says, and in the early morning while it was dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place and prayed there for a time. Simon and his companions eagerly searched for him. And when they found him and, and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may, may also preach there, for this is why I came. And so they left, and they were preaching in, in different synagogues, synagogues throughout uh, Galilee, and he was casting out demons. And in verse 40, it says, he, a man with leprosy came up to Jesus, and he implored with Jesus, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And move with compassion, Jesus said, I am willing. And he, um, um, he said, be cleansed. And the leprosy uh, immediately uh, left the man. So in this story, in a, a few days in the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus was level-headed with his emotions and his feelings and his responses to everyone that um, he encountered. We don't see Jesus. He not once lost his temper. He not once tried to avoid them. You know, when he got to the house and he sat down, I'm assuming he sat down, and then they came to him and said, oh, my mother-in-law is sick. You know, he, he didn't say, oh, bring her, um, yeah, bring her to me. It says he went to her. And what the people experienced, we read this in verse 27, was the people were amazed by his teaching. They said that there was an authority in Jesus, and that's something different than just preaching um, just by knowing the, the scriptures. The verse said, they said, teaching as one with authority, so one that was living it and not as, not as the scribes. So again, we just seen Jesus model for us what we're calling a regular desert rhythm of being with God followed by doing for God or an activity. And as a result, we see that Jesus remained um, remain anchored and centered amidst all of the chaos and stress that was happening around him. And he remained in the love of his father. So when he met the man with leprosy, it says he was filled with compassion. And he said, I'm willing, be cleansed. He, he remained in the love of, of God, his father. So in your notes... Um, in your notes, there's just like a summary of Jesus's desert rhythms. So just to recap, verse 9 through 13 is where we see Jesus go to the desert, his own place of solitude to be with, be with God. And that's your fill in the blank, be with God. And, and the notes are, my apologies, the notes are a little incomplete. It's where he met John the Baptist. He got baptized. Immediately the Spirit um, led him into the wilderness, and he was tempted where he was tempted by the devil. So you can fill those in there. And then verse 21, he goes, he goes to the city to do. We see that he, he's preaching, casting out demons, doing the activity. And then in verse 35, we read, we read he's back in the desert, being with God. Early in the morning, he went up, and he went away, and he prayed. And then verse 40 again, he's back in the city doing, he's doing, healing the man with leprosy. So Jesus had his own rhythm of the be do, be do, be do, be do, be do, be do, yeah. So 
He had his own kaholo way back in, in the day. So four ways. I'm going to share with you four ways to be with God before doing for God. And the first one is make a radical decision. This is a clean and total break from our present habits, the present things that we are doing, the present rhythms that we have, and a way of functioning. And it's saying, I've got to get away from this over overcommitment of hurrying. I've got to get away from it to learn to be before I do. It's a radical decision because if we're not doing this right now, and, and it is for me because it wasn't something I consistently did, and it is a radical decision to drop your phone, to drop whatever you're doing to make the time and say, I got to stop. I got to make a change to be with God, to learn to be with him before I do. And number two is feel your feelings. And we see throughout scripture um, different people uh, sharing their feelings, crying out their feelings before God. And we see Job's ranting before God. We see Jeremiah's depression and Moses' anguish in the wilderness, in his desert. And then David's raw emotions in Psalms. And they all expressed uh, their emotions with unashamed freedom. And how awesome is that? That they can just express their, their emotions and not be ashamed of it. And last Wednesday, we, um, we discussed Jesus' emotions on what he may have been feeling and dealing with when he went away to pray in the garden. Um, and he brought James, James and John, and they were, you know, they fell asleep. So we discussed Jesus' emotions, and even him, even he had emotions. And, and once we recognize our feelings, we can ask ourselves the difficult why question. So once we recognize what our feelings are, we can ask ourselves questions like, why am I always in a hurry? Why am I so impatient? Or what is this anxiety all about? And here's a good one. Why am I so angry? And why did I get so defensive when so-and-so did such and such? Or when so-and-so said such and such? So when these feelings arise in us, we can ask ourselves um, these questions. And I think, and like Pastor Aaron said, that when we recognize um, our feelings and what's going on, on inside of us, if we fail to do it, we miss many gifts from God. We miss some blessings um, from God that he will speak through us through these feelings of sadness, anger, depression, or even an angry spouse, or a life that periodically spins out of control. So we want to be aware of those and recognize those and allow God to speak through those, um, those emotions. Number three is integrate silence. When we practice silence, we make room to surrender our will to his will. We let go of our agendas. We allow space and time to let God transform us, and we hear him speak instead of talking all the time. We allow space and time to let God transform us when we're quiet. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you have been the person that just talks, 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 or maybe you've talked to somebody who just talks your ears, ears off and you're thinking, just zip it. Well, that's what we have to do. Integrate silence, just zip it and let God speak, um, speak to us and listen and follow his direction for, um, for our lives.
And number four is commune with Jesus throughout the day. So communion with God all throughout the day is core, um, Pastor Pete says. Not just during, during our devotions. When we commune with Jesus throughout the day, we're living with the awareness with God's presence while we work, play, cook, drive, as well as when we worship, um, we pray, and we do our Bible study. And this helps us from being triggered by events throughout the day. And really quickly, on my way in from Kapa'a today, I had every single red light. <laughs> and I have to tell you, in the past, that triggered, triggered me all the time. But I had peace coming here because I was like, okay, Lord, you know I'm speaking today. You know that the plan was to be here early for prayer. But I was like, okay, he knew. He knew I was going to have every traffic light. So this probably was a test to see if I was going to be triggered today. But I had every light. And that adds like 10 minutes from Kapa'a to, to here to the time. And your last, the last part on your notes here says discover the rhythms of the daily office and, and Sabbath. And you can just write these. I'm going to share four points for each of them. And you can just find space all around to, um, to write. The first one is discover the rhythms of the daily office. And that's what we've been doing with our, um, with our course right now is once twice a day um, we're spending time with God in our daily office. And point number one to discovering your rhythm is to stop and pause. So we stop whatever activity we're doing and we pause to be with the living God. And we spend the two minutes before, right, just um, being quiet with God. And point number two, the second one is centering. Scripture commands us in Psalm 37, 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 46, 10, Be still and know that I am God. So we move into God's presence and we rest there, that centering. And then number three is silence. Yes, silence again. We get quiet. And we may not you know, be able to leave our house or... Um, you know, go for a drive or something, but we have to find ways to shut out what's happening um, around us, shut out the noise, and put ourselves in a position to hear from God. We stop and listen. Just sit before God in silence. And number four is scripture. So this would be the Bible study, our devotional, uh, learning more about God's word. And Pastor Pete says this, and I like this. He says, a good rule to follow when dealing with tools and techniques is this. If it helps, do it. If it does not help you, do not do it, including the daily office, including um, the daily office that he's uh, shared with us. Just find something that would help you step out of this 24-7 culture that never stops that we live in and develop a rhythm with God in your days. Develop something that works for you. And then the second one is practice Sabbath delight. So the difference between the daily office, the rhythm of the daily office and Sabbath delight is the daily office is every day. We're um, setting aside time, you know, two to three times a day to be with God. And Sabbath delight is to stop and rest for a 24-hour period. And, and I, I'm just going to share that I'm struggling with this. Like, I 
I'm having a hard time to do nothing for a 24-hour period. And the six to seven hours that I, I sleep, I'm not, you know, we can't count that because that's easy to do nothing when you're sleeping. But I am struggling with doing nothing. And um, Pastor Pete says this, and it says, God is on the throne assuring us the world will not fall apart if we stop working. So you can be assured that things are not going to fall apart, that God has it all, all together. Um, so if we stop, you know, the world is not going to fall apart. Our world is not going to fall apart. So the four points for this is number one is stop. The Sabbath is first and foremost a day of stopping. It calls us to build. It calls us to build the doing of nothing into our schedules each week. So on your Google calendar or if you have a desk calendar, one day a week for 24 hours, there's nothing on that calendar. That's what it says. That we build the doing of nothing into our schedules for that week. So if you wanted to, if you were thinking, oh, I wish I had a day of doing nothing, well, we're telling you today that you can have a day of, of doing nothing on, on your Sabbath day. Um, point two is rest. Once we stop, the Sabbath calls us to rest. And God rested after he worked, right? He um, created the world and uh, he created uh, everything, creation in six days. And on the seventh day, he rests. So we're to do the same. Rest from any paid or unpaid work. And point three is delight. We're to slow down and pay attention to all of the amazing gifts that God has given us. He's provided for us to enjoy. We're to take time to see the beauty um, of the trees, of the palm trees, our beautiful island of Kauai. Take time to taste our foods. How many of us really sit down, thank God, and taste our food, really enjoy what our food tastes like? I, I know for me, I'm eating on the go at work, like I'm just eating just to eat to get that hunger pains out, and then I'm on to the next um, task. So delight in these things and really see the people that God has placed in, in our lives um, and, you know, be, be amazed by that. And number four is contemplate. We ponder his love as it comes through things like food and nature. We slow down to see these gifts so we definitely want to do that all seven days, but we especially want to train ourselves to see the visible God, invis invisible God in the visible world around us during our Sabbath delight. So both the daily office, or whatever you're calling it, your Bible study, your devotional time, and the Sabbath keeping helps us to stay in tune to God's presence for our days and our weeks. And that's what we've seen Jesus do. He had a rhythm of being with Jesus, being with God, and then doing the work. And that sustained him for all of the work that he, um, um, he did here on earth. So I'm going to ask um, Roy, our ushers, they're going to go pass around this little uh, card for you. And we don't have time today to go through it, but I want to share this with you because I thought it was an awesome tool. And on one side of it, it, it will help you to take inventory and evaluate your rhythms, your daily rhythms. And it says, is your doing out of balance with your being. So you can take inventory and circle items that applies to your life. 
And then if you circle three or more, it says you may be slightly out of balance. So you know that you would have to um, be more than do. If you circled four to seven, it says you probably need more being with God to sustain your doing. And if you circled eight or more, you may need an extreme makeover. Or if you're into cars like my husband, it's called a major overhaul. So we would need to spend a whole lot more of being before we do. And then on the other side of the card, it, um, it helps us to know if your doing exceeds your, your being. So one is if you're out of balance. And this one, if, if your doing exceeds your being. And then it has a list of 10 different items. And you can change this to your life if you have, you know... Um, triggers or emotions that goes on with you that's not on here, you can add it, um, add it on here. And once we, um, once we recognize these, um, these feelings when we're out of alignment with God, we can pull back and we can go back to our, get back into our desert rhythm so that we can be filled again before we do. And then the last part on there is once we recognize our feelings, then we can ask ourselves those difficult questions again. So there's a list of questions that we can ask ourselves. Why do we feel this way? And we can process um, those emotions. So we saw, we read and we saw Jesus facing overwhelming pressures in life, pressures that exceed um, far more than anything we will ever face. But he, Jesus, routinely stepped away from those endless demands, and he went to spend significant time with his father. And the, to slow down, to pray, and just be with the father so he could be in sync, he could be in rhythm. And he was with the father, and the father was with him. And he mastered his desert rhythm, which allowed him to have a fruitful ministry here, um, here on earth. And as I close, I want to um, ask the worship team to, to come back up. So for me, being before doing means that I can be vulnerable and not have to meet other people's expectations. That's, that's huge for me, always, you know, always wanted to please, always wanting to do. I, I don't have to meet any, anyone's expectations when I'm being before doing. And my clinging to, to Jesus' love and sacrifice also means that I can rest and let go of the stress, the stress that I put on myself of not being enough. And am I there yet? No, I'm not. But I'm fully aware of the prize of the reward, which is God's peace his love, his comfort, and even his compassion um, for others. So I, I want to ask you a question, and you, you can think about this. Is Are you ready to surrender your time, your will, your wants, your agenda, your current habits to be before doing and allow yourself to feel the feelings, to prioritize silence and enjoy a relationship with Jesus. Are you ready to surrender that? So I hope this has encouraged you as much as um, it has encouraged me to be with God more and more each day. Just being more consistent and aware of myself, my fussiness, my feelings, 
and know and recognize when it's time, like, okay, I need to withdraw, I need to pull back, I need to say no a lot more to um, go back and be with God before I continue on being. Because it, it is, it's so important for us to find our own desert rhythm, which will allow us to share all of God's love, his blessings and wonders with all of those around us and in everything we do. Amen. Thank you so much, Fran. There is so much depth to that, but I'm not going to be able to get be do, be do, be do out of my head now. That's just, that's just going to be the rhythm of life now. We're all going to be hula dancers. Be do, be do, be do. But what really struck me that you said, Fran, was just that idea that Jesus in the midst of this busyness, right? I mean, you know, if, if you had sick people just lining up one after the other, needing something from you, like sooner or later, you're just like, all right, I can't take it anymore, all right? But at the end of all of that, it said Jesus still had compassion for the man with leprosy, right? In the midst of our, our busyness and the chaos of our world and everything that's around us and going on in our lives, how can we make sure we still have compassion for the moments when we have an opportunity to share the goodness of God with others. We have a desert rhythm. That's how we make sure. Because when we're out of rhythm, our hearts grow hard, we get stressed out, and we don't, we don't, we don't want to love other people. So we get back into rhythm. We get back into rhythm so that our hearts stay soft and so that we're ready in any moment to do the things God has called us to do. Lord, I just pray right now, God, let this word sink into our hearts. God, I just pray that every one of us would be encouraged. God, I pray that you would put a vision within our hearts of a life that we do not have yet, a life with greater peace, a life with greater fullness, a life that is more abundant a life that is slower and healthier, a vision of a life where we can love people freely. Give us that vision, Lord. And then, God, give us the strength that we need to make the radical changes we have to make so that we can live that life, so that we can find the rhythm, Lord. Call us to these things, God restructuring our calendars and our schedules, restructuring our lifestyle, restructuring. Give us our trust in you, God, to do those things. When we look at it and say it doesn't make any sense, but Lord, I trust you anyway. I trust you anyway. I pray, Lord, that out of this will come people here in Kauai Bible Church people even around the world that engage with our digital campus who are healthier, more at peace, more full of love, more ready to share the wonders of Jesus because we were willing to make the radical changes to find the rhythm that you have called us to, Lord. Give us the courage to do that, God. We thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.